to have and to hold. These are key words that we express when we choose to marry someone. Part of the marriage ceremony. And as I've been saying as we've been looking at this, I don't view it as a legal agreement per se. I view it as a spiritual covenant. And I think the Word of God views it as a spiritual covenant between one man and one woman and holy God. Today is number three of five messages. And it's about, um, among other things, it's about sex. And it's called Enjoy. And it's going to be rated biblically PG, but just a heads up that that's what we're talking about today. And we actually began that series of messages um, talking before, even before the series of messages, we began talking about singleness. And then we walked into saying, let's talk about five commitments that we can make that will impact our marriage. And so if you missed the first couple, let me just quickly review. The first one was about the importance of one and then two. That biblically, God says, if you want to create the best environment in which to have a healthy relationship in marriage, you have to understand fundamentally that God expects that he would be first. And this is a theme throughout Scripture. He's never interested in second. Never once. And so he's only interested in being first in life because he wants what's best for us. And he knows when he is first that that sets the table for the best environment to create a healthy, lasting, loving relationship in marriage or in life. Then he says, and we talked about this very clearly, that our spouse, if we're married, should be second. Not anything else, not anyone else. And some people get confused about that as well. So one and then two, and we talked in that message about the vital importance of praying together as a couple. That if you look even just statistically, there's an incredibly, it's an incredibly small number of people that ever end up getting divorced that pray together regularly as a couple. And so we talked about one and then two. And then last week, we talked about uh, learning how to fight. That we all have disagreements, and in marriage relationship as well, we're, we're going to have disagreements at times. And we talked about this idea, and we painted this image that God does not want us to box when we fight. He wants us to spar. And we talked about the difference of the, between the two, and just very quickly, in boxing, the big idea is, I want to hurt this other opponent. I want to conquer this other opponent. I want it all to be about me winning and them losing. Sparring, on the other hand, is the goal is never to hurt the other person. The goal is for both of you to hone your skills and for both of you to get better. Next week, we're going to be talking about staying pure, and then the last week in this series, we're going to talk about never giving up. But before we look into God's Word, Let's pray together for a couple minutes. Father, we bow in your presence this morning, and we're so grateful for your word. We believe it's deeply and personally applicable in life. It's not just some dusty book. And so we invite you, uh, and we offer ourselves, we invite you to speak to us in very personal terms. We pray that you would uh, help us to not only understand, but to make this 
life-giving and life-changing. And so we invite you to do this for your glory and in a way that brings deep honor to you, but also just brings uh, burgeoning health in our relationship. And so we pray these things now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So the title of today's message is Enjoy, and it's about having fun in marriage. So some time ago, I'm sitting in Tim Hortons on Scenic there by the lodge. And I'm going to be meeting someone for coffee. And some things happened, and it turned out that they were going to be about 20 minutes or so later than we had originally planned. And so I had a book with me. So I went into Tim Hortons, and I started catching up on some reading. And just as I was sitting down, a married couple sat down right beside me. Like, you know, the tables are close together there, if you've ever been in one of those Tim Hortons like that. And they were probably like four feet away from me, and right in front of me. Like, and I wasn't trying to spy on them in any way, but as I'm reading, you can't help but see them right in front of you and hear them right in front of you. And the thing I noticed very quickly is that during the entire time I was waiting for this person to come, not once did they speak to one another. Not once that I ever noticed did they even so much as look at each other. Oh, they were quite busy looking around at everyone else in the room, but not once did they look or speak to one another. And after about 15 minutes, a bunch of people walked into Tim Hortons, and they were obviously all their friends because they joined them at the table. There was about four of them that joined them at the table. And as soon as their friends joined them, they became uh, quite talkative, they became quite animated, but never with one another, only with their friends. So what's the big idea here? Don't ever, and I mean ever, sit beside me and Tim Hortons. <laughs> it was incredibly sad. Incredibly sad. And I thought to myself as I was, couldn't help but notice this couple. This is the couple that fun forgot. They weren't having fun as a couple. And it, it kind of broke my heart. Because I think way too often as married couples, we don't have fun. We don't enjoy each other. And it's more than likely that when we were dating, we had fun. But after some time and perhaps a set of circumstances that have begun to press in on us, for whatever number of reasons, we stopped enjoying each other's company. We stopped having fun. What drew you to your spouse in the first place? Do you ever think about those things? What drew you to your spouse in the first place? How, how are things different now? Because I would suggest that biblically, and we're going to look at some verses here in just a moment, I would suggest that we're called on to enjoy each other, that having fun is not some abstract luxury in marriage. And someone says to me, and I've had people say to me, you know, we don't have time or the resources for those kinds of things. And I would say to you, if you don't have some fun, 
If you don't invest in your marriage strategically, if you're not sacrificial in your outlook and say, um, these things may be important, but they're not nearly as important as my relationship with my spouse. If we don't invest in our marriage in those kinds of ways, one day soon, you may not have a marriage. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at a few verses of Scripture that invite us to enjoy one another and have fun as a couple. And the first first verse is all about face-to-face. Face-to-face. And it's found in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 9, verse 9. And I'm going to read it to you first in the New Living Translation and then revert to my normal uh, scripture that I use, the NIV. Um, in Ecclesiastes, which is found just to the right of center in your Bible, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 9, Solomon writes this, Live happily with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of life that God has given you under the sun. The wife God gives you is your reward for all your earthly toll. Now this is, this is intended to be written to men and to women, but Solomon is writing this, and so he says, live happily with the woman you love. And it's equally applicable, wives live happily with the man that you love. And he says, through all the meaningless days of life. In other words, he says, let's, let's be real, there's going to be some days where the routine of life can just seem rather meaningless and empty. But a blessing from God in that is to enjoy your spouse. In fact, it says in the NIV in chapter, in the same verse, it's translated this way, enjoy life with your wife. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love. All the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all your meaningless days, for this is your lot in your life and in your toilsome labor under the sun. Enjoy life with your wife. Without fun, without adventure, without romance, without physical intimacy, marriage becomes simply a business arrangement. Two individuals living in the same place, but living separate lives, just checking all the boxes. Did you get the kids to that event? Did you buy the groceries? Did you pay the bills? And it just becomes a checklist of things of two people living separate lives. And it's been my experience, as I've I've talked with lots of people in my day, uh, that people don't fall in love with someone that they're having a bad time with. How often does somebody fall in love with that person that just deeply bores them? It usually doesn't happen. How many times have I come across, say, a young woman who says, you know, there's this guy, he's just incredible. When we get together, we have absolutely nothing in common, and all we do is we sit around on the couch and we don't talk to one another, and once in a while, I'm privileged to sit there and watch him play video games. He is so dull and boring, I can hardly wait to marry him. I don't hear that very often. And yet, we often gravitate to that in marriage. And some things have changed. And so Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, We're invited to enjoy life with your wife. 
So I've been to lots of marriage type things in my day. I've probably taught a few of them, in fact. And I've read a lot of stuff on this. And perhaps one of the most important things I've heard repeatedly, they use different phrasings to describe it, but I'm going to borrow one from the Alpha Marriage Course. And um, this very British couple that have this healthy marriage get up and say, the most important thing to us is marriage time. And I hear this over and over and over again. Marriage time has been a crucial thing for Debbie and I. And we've been married 32 years now. Marriage time. And what it is, is it's dedicated time. In fact, often scheduled time regularly. I would say at least every week. Where you connect as a couple, intimately and emotionally, face to face. Where we set a time very deliberately for each other and for nothing else. And maybe we go for coffee, and, or maybe you like to play a board game together. Maybe you like to go for a hike, or rock climbing, or skiing. Whatever it is, one couple I was just speaking to recently, um, he, he's a salesperson, and sometimes he has to make sales calls in Medicine Hat, and, and so she will often go with him in the car, and he drops her off wherever, she runs some errands while he's making his sales calls, and then she rides back together, and they have committed this time together as marriage time. Maybe you like to get up in the morning, whatever, and sit on the deck and drink coffee together and talk about your life and have some fun together. Whatever it is, enter into each other's worlds. And it, makes, it takes some really deliberate choices to do this. I'm going to enter into their world. And, you, and you're sitting there thinking perhaps, well, you know, I don't really enjoy that thing that they seem to really enjoy. It's not about the activity. It's about being together. And there's been any number of times that Debbie and I have done that for one another. That she's done that for me. Where there's something I enjoy, for example, and she might not quite enjoy it, but she comes and invests in our relationship and we do things together. And there's been some times as well where I do it as well. For example, she loves watching those home improvement shows on HGTV. And it's not, it really wasn't my thing. But I, I would sit down and I would watch it with her once in a while. And we would talk about, well, which, which house would you pick? Or what would you do to improve that? And even though it wasn't my thing, eventually it, it sort of became my thing. And I, I started enjoying doing that, and I think it wasn't because of the show, because I don't really ever do that on my own, but it's because I enjoyed being with her. Enter into each other's world, face to face. Have some fun together. Be creative together. It doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Face to face. Enjoy life with your wife. And you have to work at it. You have to create it. You have to guard it fiercely. And it's totally worth it. Little secret. Sometimes I'll hear, I'll just pick women here talking. You know, I could, it goes both ways here. But women sometimes will say, my man, he just doesn't seem to want to open up and talk. Little secret about some men, not all men. Two times that a man is most likely to open up is when you're doing something with him that he enjoys. Or secondly, right after he's done something with you that he 
enjoys. Just a little secret from the male side of the equation. Enter into each other's world face to face. Invest. Guard that time. Invest. Side by side is the second one. So face to face is the first one. Side by side is the second one. We're going to be reading from uh, a love letter in the scriptures. And it's extremely detailed. We won't take a ton of... There's uh, eight chapters in the Song of Solomon, which is just to the right of the book of Ecclesiastes. It's a love letter between Solomon and the Shulamite uh, woman um, that he marries. And it, it talks a lot about sex, to be quite honest with you. Quite a bit. So we're going to read some passages from this and this love letter between Solomon and his bride. And the first passage is in chapter 7, beginning in verse 1 through verse 6. And this is Solomon describing his bride and talking about her and complimenting her. And he says this about her. He says, How beautiful your sandal feet, O prince's daughter. Your graceful legs are like jewels, the work of a craftsman's hands. Your navel is a rounded goblet that never lacks blended wine. That one kind of seems a little weird to me, but whatever. Your waist is a mound of wheat encircled by lilies. Your breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. Your neck is like an ivory tower. Your eyes are the pools of Heshbon by the gate of Bathrabin. Your nose is like the tower of Lebanon looking towards Damascus. Your, ha- your head crowns you like Mount Carmel. Your hair is like royal tapestry. The king is held captive by its tresses. How beautiful you are and how pleasing, O oh, love, with your delights. And so he is celebrating his physical attraction to his wife. And she does it with him as well. In fact, we could turn back to chapter 4 because in chapter 4, he goes on at length as well, extolling her beauty. And he goes on and on. And, and she's quite complimented by this. And if you read in chapter 5, she, she reciprocates. And she speaks at length about uh, why she's physically attracted to him. And so in chapter 7, he does this, and then she responds, and we could read a number of verses, but let me just read verse 11 and 12. She is now speaking to him, and she says, Come, my lover, let us go to the countryside. Let us spend the night in the villages. Let us go early to the vineyards to see if the wine has the vines have budded, and if their blossoms have opened, and if the pomegranates are in bloom, there I will give you my love. And so she says to him, hey, let's take a weekend and go away together. Let's go outside of Jerusalem, outside of where the palace is. Let's go out into the countryside. Let's stay at the Four Seasons or whatever in the villages there, and let's go exploring some countryside together. Let's get out of town for the weekend and have some fun. I was just chatting with someone this past week, and they were telling me that they're going away for a couple of days together. And these are busy people. But I commended them. I said, this is so wise. This is something that a healthy marriage should do. And they have a healthy marriage, and it's no accident that they do. I think at least once or twice a year, a couple should get together Um, for a night or two, whatever, just the two of them. Get someone else to watch the kids. Go away together. If you can go away for longer than that, even better. Where you're saying, we are making our marriage a priority. 
We are going to guard our marriage. We are going to sacrifice for our marriage. We are going to remember in practical terms that God is first in our life and then our spouse is second. And so the Shulamite wife says in verses 11 and 12, Let's get out of town. Again, let me read it. She says, let's go out to the countryside. Let's spend the night in the villages. Let us go early to the vineyards to see if the vines have budded, if their blossoms have opened, and if the pomegranates are in bloom. There I will give you my love. She said, let's get out of town. Let's go. Let's get up early. Let's go hiking in the countryside. Uh, let's, let's go walking through the beautiful vineyards, and let's have marital sex in the park. Now, don't go have sex in the park and get arrested. That's not what I'm saying here. I don't think that'll be a legal defense to read verse 12, okay? But be wise about this, okay? But God is saying, have some physical and romantic fun as a married couple. And let me just say, if there's issues from your past that make that difficult because someone hurts you or treated you inappropriately, please go and get some help. Don't just put this off, hoping that it might get better. And so the Shulamite wife says, this is so awesome, I love you deeply, let's go away for the weekend together, let's go and have some physical and romantic fun. Does God like that? Absolutely. For some weird reason in the past, the church has sort of portrayed sex in a sort of a weird way. And somehow given this idea that it's somehow, you know, kind of dirty a little bit or some weird thing, remember that it was created by God. We're told in Genesis chapter 2 that the husband and wife were naked and felt no shame. It's because it was created by God. In fact, speaking about this, God observes this and he says, this is very good. The other stuff that he created, he said, this is all good, 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 good. When he sees the husband and wife that he's brought together, they're naked, they felt no shame, he goes, well, that's very good. So does God, does God frown on this at all? Absolutely not. Let's turn to Proverbs Chapter 5 is just another illustration of this. Proverbs is just a little bit to the left there from uh, uh, Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes. Proverbs chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. And again, this is Solomon writing, and he, he's talking in this passage, and he says this, May your fountain be blessed. May you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breasts satisfy you always. May you ever be captivated by her love. When you've been married 5, 10, 20, 30 years, enjoy this woman that you married when you were young. That's what Solomon is saying. And it's very interesting. Remember that this is the word of God. And God, God is saying in here, he says in verse 19, he says, may you be captivated by her love. The Hebrew word there, translated captivated, has a couple of ideas to it. One of them is, may it be like sugar to you. May it be like sugar to you. It even has the image in one, one translation, translates it this way. It, it even has the image of being intoxicated with her. 
ecstatic joy that comes from a captivated lover. And so God says all through Bible, the best place for this to happen is in a divinely blessed, monogamous, monogamous covenant relationship. And those are just a bunch of fancy words for marriage between one man and one woman and no one else. And this is the best environment in a divinely blessed, monogamous, covenant relationship. And never, ever, ever does God intend for marriage to be boring or lifeless or pleasureless or dull. Sex is a gift from God that he gives to married people for mutual enjoyment. And so he's saying be romantic, be loving, be tender, be creative. And when a couple willingly turns off the sexual component of their marriage, this causes distress. In fact, it says, if you were to read in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 to 5, God says, don't do it. Don't do it. And then he says, listen, you can stop coming together sexually as a husband and wife only when it's mutually agreed on. When one party wants to do it, that's not mutual. In fact, it says if you were to read those verses that the husband's body is created for the wife and the wife's body is created for the husband and they are to come together regularly and often. And they could only not do that when it's mutually agreed on. And it's the, the implication, if you read in verse 5 of 1 Corinthians 7, is it should be for only a short time. And the only real reason to do that is to devote yourself to prayer. And one of the significant um, parts of married life is for a married couple to come together. This is why it says in Genesis chapter 2, and the two will become one flesh. And the two will become one flesh. And Jesus reinforces this. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 19. And he's going to answer somebody's question there. And uh, he references Genesis chapter 2. Listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 19, verses 1 to 6. Um, when Jesus had finished saying these things, he left the Galilee and he went into the region of Judea. So he's in the north country, the Galilee, and he's come down to the south country into the region of the Judea on the other side of the Jordan. So he, he's on the east bank of the Jordan River there, over towards modern-day Jordan today. Large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. So some Pharisees came to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? And uh, Jesus responds, he says, haven't you read? He knows they've read. In fact, they've memorized the entire 39 books of the Old Testament as Pharisees. So he's sort of saying, come on, boys. Haven't you read, Jesus replied, Back in Genesis chapter 2, you've read that, haven't you? That at the beginning, the Creator made them male and female. Notice that? Male and female. And said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they, will no longer, they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. So here's the picture. United together, one man, one woman, contrary to what many people might consider this day. One man, one woman, together in marriage. 
and they are no longer two, but one. It's a blessing from God. It's a way to serve one another. And as you read the scripture, you know, and, and if you want to use that as your guidepost, and I understand we live in a free country, you don't have to, but if you want to be a biblical believer and a follower of Jesus, understand there are no other legitimate sexual outlets. And so enjoy frequent and creative and spiritual lovemaking. It honors God. It renews the covenant. And so someone says, oh, Scott, he's such a jerk. It may be. Or she's such a jerk. It may be. Um, but it's my experience that, generally speaking, feelings follow actions. I go back to the question we began with. What, why did you fall in love with them in the first place? And it would seem to make sense to me that if we, we, we want what we once had, it only makes sense to do what we once did. So God says, enjoy and have fun. Or someone says, but there's this other guy or this other woman at work or whatever. The idea that the grass is greener somewhere else Read that Proverbs chapter 5 passage that we read earlier. If you read the 20 verses, it's all about how the grass is definitively not greener somewhere else. It's a mirage. It's an optical illusion, Proverbs chapter 5 says. And so he's saying there, Jesus is saying, all of the Bible is saying, go back and invest in the marriage God has given you. Enjoy life with your wife Enjoy life with your wife. 